All right, man, I came across something the other day that absolutely blew my mind. I I know where we are kind of in this world, but sometimes you see things that come across your desk that make you go, damn, I don't know anything. And that's where that kind of sense. this this particular story comes into my brain. So I know that you are pretty involved in the crypto world. We're going to get in a little bit into that today. But I saw this story the other day that they sold a house in South Carolina on OpenSea, which OpenSea is an NFT marketplace. That means someone used cryptocurrency to buy a house. Is that the world? Are, are we in that world now? Are the robots totally taken over? Is that what's going on here? Uh, I, I think it's very interesting from a perspective of, you know, I love talking about crypto like right now um, because uh, it's it's a down market right now. It's not like, the oh, everybody's doing well kind of market and so it's it's a really good time to talk about it because you can actually focus on the fundamentals of, of things and this is where crypto gets very interesting uh, blockchain technology is great because it helps us to track things and be very open with how we track things now some people don't like that some people really like that um, but from a perspective of assigning ownership to things improving ownership and proving sales uh, there is nothing that we have ever seen that is quite like the blockchain and um, so from a perspective of real estate and, you know, ticket buying to events, things like that, um, you know, proving that you did purchase something, proving that you were there, proving that you own something. I, I think that's the natural progression of where we're going. So, yes, we can get into the uh, prospecting for things all over the place. But I think the number one thing that, that about cryptocurrency that gets me excited is exactly that. You know, we saw it the other day with uh, somebody buying a house. Um by purchasing an NFT and that NFT being a representation that they have actual ownership. And, and what's so great is from this point forward, uh, we can track the uh, ownership of that particular asset uh, because it's tracked on the blockchain. And so very, very handy for a lot of the things that we do in real estate anyway. And so, you know, I think that that's, um, you know, we're going to talk about lots of cool crypto stuff today, but uh, I think that's a very interesting sort of lead in to uh, this conversation. So I, I absolutely love it. It's a it's a very good lead in. And for those of you that are listening to this podcast right now going, holy cow, this is in a different language. I didn't understand a word of what he just <laughs> said. Don't worry, you are not alone. I promise you. But we have got somebody here and I'm talking about my buddy Ben who knows a lot about this particular space has has, has done a lot of research and has actually spent some time and some money uh, getting into the cryptocurrency space. So I, we're going to dig into, you know, kind of the current happenings, what's really going on right now, and then kind of where you see the future of cryptocurrency going. Absolutely. Uh, all that and more from someone who has both made and lost quite a bit of money <laughs> in the crypto space. So let's dive in. Let's do it. All right, man. So something I've always known about you, and I've seen you take this trait and use it to your advantage in your business is so, so cool. And you're like, what the hell is he about to bring up? Uh, no, it's, it's all good. All good things. So Something you do a lot when it comes to new technology or new, uh, you know, opportunities, marketing opportunities, whatever they meet may be that come into play. Dude, you are a relentless researcher. I've seen you do it. You are so good at this and, and it's kind of inspired me in a lot of different ways to be able to do it. But something come, comes across your desk and you see potential in it. You put in the time, you put in the effort to make yourself 
an absolute authority on the subject. And over the past few years, I've seen you really latch on to a certain space. And I'm talking about cryptocurrency. So to the point, you've actually become, man, the go-to source for a lot of people. And I'm raising my hand because I am one of those people. You're the go-to source in the digital marketing space about cryptocurrency. And just from personal experience, literally 95% of what I know, which I'll tell you right now is not much. So I don't know what this says about you, but about cryptocurrency literally came from you. And that's why I bring this to you today, man, because I, I, I'm ready for an update. I think the world needs an update because there's sure. been, there's been a little bit of a lull. Am I right? In, in the, in Absolutely. the whole cryptocurrency space. So let's just start at the beginning. So do, <laughs> t- take me back. Do you remember the first time that you were kind of introduced to cryptocurrency and what, you know, what was, what was that like and what were your first impressions? Um, you know, a long time ago when there was, there was only one cryptocurrency, I, I started hearing rumblings about this thing. Um, and I remember sitting in, uh, you know, a tiny room, um, in college and just hearing about, um, you know, sort of some of the stuff that was being talked about as a precursor, <laughs> not even like, um, not even like this was real cryptocurrency yet. Um, yeah. this, but it was people talking about this digital money stuff and like, oh, our money should be digital. And that always made sense to me. Um, that always made sense to me that, you know, everything went more to a, a digital system that, uh, was easier to, to keep track of, uh, rather than carrying around these extremely nasty, uh, dollar bills and things. Now there's a lot of people that will be like, well, cash is great because of a lot of reasons. Well, yeah, I get on board with that. But, but I think the very interesting thing to me is, um, from a perspective of media, you know, like movies and TV and things like I don't like having boxes of movies and physical things. I, mm. I like having things, you know, in a digital space. Yeah. And so, you know, money being one of those things is great. And so, you know, I get out of um, I get out of school 2007, 2008. Uh, if crypto had become a thing, then um, I wouldn't have had any money to put into it anyway. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you sort of get into sort of the times when I start getting really into digital marketing is right around the time that cryptocurrency started to come together, which uh, cryptocurrency was really the timing of it was a direct response as to what happened in 2008, um, which is mm. the fall of the housing market, you know, just the whole world collapsing in on itself a little bit from a financial standpoint. And I didn't so, know that's what brought it about. Okay. I, well, there I, it was, makes sense. Yeah. So there was, you know, there was, there was a need for it before then. You know, there was rumblings of it before then. But what really, I think, lit a fire underneath this needs to be something that we put actually pay some attention to was that. And so, um, you know, as we start seeing crypto, you know, the early stages of Bitcoin come together, um, that was part of sort of the, you know, the big manifesto uh, of the people that were involved in that early project. Um, it was really about something we, we have to do something that's better than this uh we have to do something with transparency we have to do something that's truly limited that can't be you know inflated because you have you had places all over the world not just because of the of the housing crisis and you know the financial markets crumbling because of that in 2008 but you had a lot of things that were going on in the world if you really look around at that time that uh entire economies were collapsed that were bank runs on the banks and uh, things were happening in a way that the government had let uh, of those nations had let people down and so What's a way that we can actually have a monetary system that makes sense? Uh, and so you get this cat that writes a white paper, um, just puts together a paper. Uh, and when I say you get this person that writes a, a white paper, uh, and we'll link you guys to this white paper, by the way. It came out on Halloween, uh, as a matter of fact, um, <laughs> which I think is a fun little factoid. Uh, <laughs> but it, the, the white paper comes out on a Halloween um, 
and it sort of bounces around in this forum where people were talking, you know, crypto type stuff, cryptography, things like that. And uh, it starts to catch on. And, you know, people are really into this project and want to be a part of it. And uh, a few months later, uh, you know, the first block was mined uh, for Bitcoin. And Bitcoin becomes this thing that, like, nobody gives two shits about, um, (laughs) except for this small group of people that believed in this thing. Um, But that was the genesis of it. It was, you know, we had had some things going on in the world um, where this technology sort of intersected and, you know, a, a fire was lit underneath the butts of a few people that could actually put this together. And so Bitcoin starts to sort of bounce around. And um, in the beginning, like I said, it was slow. This was just something that was going to go away, you know, in a few months, uh, in a few years that, you know, if you put your money into it, you were insane. And at the time, it was incredibly difficult to buy. There was nowhere to buy this stuff, um, you know, if you wanted to buy it. Um, at the time, it was just, you know, you could participate. You could set up your computer to mine it. Um and that was how it worked. And, you know, this is where people sort of get like lost or like, well, like, what do you mean mine it? What do you mean all these things? And um, that's neither here nor there. You can go look that stuff up. You can dig into it yourself. But the point is, is people saw a need for a system of money that was not controlled by a central body. That's it. There wasn't one top-level group that controlled the distribution of it. There wasn't a top-level group that controlled how it worked. It was literally something that obeyed rules um, almost to a fault. Um, but that was the beauty of it is that there were rules, and the rules of the system was, was what dictated it, not somebody that was in charge because they were there early or you know they uh, had family <laughs> you know, or they had some business that controlled this. That's what the design originally of cryptocurrency was all about. So it had nothing to do with any sort of like anti-government, anti-establishment. Oh, we it got, did. Oh, <laughs> I, and, well, that, and that's, I think a lot of times that's a little bit of the connotation. And, and, and sometimes that's, I think even to this day, people's ignorance. And when I say ignorance, I don't say it in a mean way. I mean, like they're just don't have the knowledge about it. They still latch onto that kind of stuff. And I, I think it's, it's important for people like you who are, you know, a voice in a lot of different areas to to be supportive of something like this. Well, I think what what's interesting is like I'm not anti-government. Right. Uh, by any not means. at all. I think I think there's a lot of really good things about government um, yeah. and an organization of societies. That's really what we're talking about. Sure. But um you got to think there was this idea of what cryptocurrency could be and you you did have people that were very much like um, this is just a new system of money that's going to be better than the one we have. You had some people that were very anti-government that latched onto it. Sure, you had some people uh, just in any any new technology. You had some people that wanted to do some very nefarious things with this. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. All of those parties helped to develop you know this technology and how it was run and how it was put together. And that's a good thing. Um, the the idea is that. The reason Bitcoin starts to take off and, and, and all these other cryptocurrencies that we have start to take off is because there's actual utility to them. And so where Bitcoin bounces around for a little while amongst this small group of people, there's no real utility other than novelty amongst these people. Yeah. Um, but whereas it really starts to take off is it starts to take off because there's actual value that is being established um, amongst this group of people, even though it's a small group, it's, you start seeing the value of each of these things go up because right. they're actually being traded for things, other things that have value. Hmm. And that's where you start to see like, you know, in every point in human history, marketplaces emerges, yeah. right? Yep. And so 
that's where you really start to see things come together is not only do we have people that are sending Bitcoins to other people because um, they want things of value, like, you know, a guy buys a pizza. That's one of the very early stories of Bitcoin is somebody actually sent all this Bitcoin to somebody just to see if they could. And would somebody bring them a pizza if they gave them this much Bitcoin? And it, and it <laughs> happened. And so now you have – this is this seems like such a stupid thing, right? But <laughs> – what one of these things does, and a few of these things put together, is it starts to establish what one of these things is worth to yep. people. Because it value. And, yeah. Yeah. And so as we start having real world objects with real dollar prices attached to them being changed for these exchanged for these things, you start to establish a value. Yep. And uh, over time, uh, those things um, really start to shake up. Now, the interesting thing about Bitcoin and not all cryptocurrencies follow this is there is a finite amount of it. It, it it actually it can't be you can't discover more. Um, yes, there's it, it, at some point in the future, all of the Bitcoin will be out in the wild. Hmm. Um, it's not yet, but all of it will be out in the wild, and that is one of the core uh, pieces of value and how we actually evaluate uh, cryptocurrency, which we'll talk about later. Um, I think my favorite part about talking about cryptocurrency right now, and I just got to say this, is that we're in a down market. Uh, everybody and their brother likes to come out and talk about cryptocurrency um, because they got lucky. <laughs> There's so many people that are considered experts because yeah. they got lucky with something or they actually they accidentally bet something. Where it's really fun to talk about this stuff is when things aren't going so great, um, quote unquote, because this is when you can actually get into the real utility of this. And as I said, the real utility of Bitcoin starts to emerge as people start to um, see that it's it associated with real world value. And then – we start to have places that uh, put together entire exchanges for this uh, this whole thing. Um, and so uh, this is another fun story in the history of crypto. Um, the first major exchange, which crashed and burned in spectacular fashion um, down the road, um, is a place called Mount Gox. Um, and uh, a lot of people don't understand this, but this is the funniest thing <clears throat> in the world. Like, What does Mount Gox stand for? Right? What does Mount yeah. Gox actually no stand idea. for? So this is this is hilarious. Mount Gox stands for Magic the Gathering Online Exchange. Get out of here. <laughs> so for those of you that are super nerds that know what Magic the Gathering is, it's a card game. And so this was an online marketplace that it was a, a thing for Magic the Gathering. And how they facilitated some of these transactions and things that were going on is, is Bitcoin. And so they actually started loading up and having Bitcoin on this network a lot and the, and the technology to use Bitcoin – uh, because of this magic, the gathering, you know, an original theme. And of course, this happens sometimes is the original concept of the tool, which was for magic, the gathering goes away. And you're just like, oh, we are a Bitcoin storehouse uh, mm. of people exchanging Bitcoin back and forth. And so the first major exchange happens because of some silly card game where people are establishing the value of what a Bitcoin is compared to <laughs> this, this this card game. Uh, that that they're talking about and they're exchanging things on. So, uh, and I'm sure. I, listen, some of you are listening. You're thinking about the finer points because you are super nerds like me, but probably <laughs> even more down the super nerds roads. There's so many finer points that I've glossed over that um, you can get into. But like that's where it starts to really happen is we start having these exchanges or this one exchange that is actually on a regular basis establishing the value of what we're doing now. From Mt. Gox, that's about the time that I really start to get interested. I bought my first Bitcoin with Mt. Gox. I lost some of my first Bitcoin because of the Mt. Gox um, crash and burn that happened. But right around that time is when you start to get some very interesting players in the world start to get involved. 
uh, which is probably another story that we could tell that's going to explain this whole thing as we get going. So, um, where are we at? What do you want to well, know? It's a, well, gosh, I want to know everything. Well, first of all, we're yeah, you talk like we're speaking specifically to the nerds, dude. I got to tell you, everyone that's listening right now is a big old nerd. That's that's and that's we're we're that's proud of that. We're very that's proud true. of that. So I think it's and that's why this conversation is so cool. And and we've obviously reached a point where you're extremely knowledgeable. I mean, I'm listening to you talk and going, okay, wow, I just learned a whole bunch of things just in the span of a few minutes. So how long did it take you to read and research and dig into crypto to get to a point where you felt like it was something that not only you could be knowledgeable on, but then you could even translate it maybe even into your business and begin to teach other people about it. Cause I know that you've been doing that a little bit. Um, you know, I, that's the thing. Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies wasn't something that I ever really wanted to uh, push people towards because it's, it's extremely volatile, even to this sure. day, even, even having a so it's it's something that I've taught people in terms of awareness and, and how things work. Exactly. I don't like telling people go buy this. Yeah. Um, that that's not something with cryptocurrency, even with stocks though, the stock market. That's not something that well, I really like, enjoy doing. I see these guys on TikTok telling people how to sports bet. Come on, yeah, yeah, yeah come on, right? Get out of here. <laughs> uh, but you know what I did start to notice is is, that is um, there were more smart people starting to play along, and um, this is interesting. And so. Another interesting story, and I didn't know about this at the time because I didn't really know much about this, but uh, there is a great movie uh, called The Social Network that uh, if you go watch The Social Network, um, this is about the rise of Facebook. And there's uh, two villains in this movie, um, which are um, the Winklevoss twins or the Winklevi. Um, <laughs> and now at the time you watch this movie and, and both of these gentlemen are painted as quite the villains, uh, I'm not so sure at this point that they were the actual villains in the movie. I think maybe the villain, uh, the villain is the star of the movie. Um, but that's not for me to decide. Um, what, what's interesting is what actually happened after that movie. So as the credits are rolling and the Winklevoss, um, or the Winklevi get paid off, um, they, they come out of this thing with a reported $66 million. Um, so they don't walk away empty handed. Uh, the courts, you know, and with, you know, basically getting paid off so that they'll go away. Uh, they're paid off. Now, something very interesting happened that the Winklevi, uh, the Winklevoss twins did uh, that I think was very interesting. They decided that they wanted to take their stock options instead of money. So they take their money in Facebook stock. Hmm. You want to talk about believing in an idea and mm -hmm. believing in a concept? They, Even though they got burnt by this company, they took stock options, which when Facebook goes public, poosh. Yeah. Lots of money. Now, what? here's where the story gets interesting. The Winklevoss twins take that money, and they've got to do something with it. And uh, they start looking to help other startups, right? So they're like, we're going to be angel investors, which I think is very a very cool gig. So here's the problem. At this point, uh, the Facebook movie had come out, and mm -hmm. nobody with a actual um, – nobody with an actual company, cool startup, would do business with the Winklevoss twins because – they didn't want to get on the bad side of Facebook because at this point, Facebook's acquiring companies for, you know, tons and tons of money. And so nobody wants to be in that position. Yeah. So they can't find anybody. Um, on a chance encounter, the Winklevoss twins end up uh, meeting some folks that uh, start up uh, a, a very interesting company um, that is pretty much built around um, making it easy for people to go in and buy Bitcoin. And so what ends up happening? <laughs> What ends up happening is the Winklevoss twins 
uh, through this company start, they get involved with this company, they start buying up tons and tons of Bitcoin uh, at a very early stage so that they've got Bitcoin for their exchange. Um, not only do they buy it for the company, they buy it for themselves. They buy a lot, a lot, a lot of Bitcoin. And they form this company um, that uh, is, is something that is very, very lucrative today. Even though crypto is down right now, it's a very, very lucrative company. And it's something that like right now you could literally get online and you could go purchase um, Bitcoin through their company. And the cool thing about the Winklevoss twins that they did is they went the route of regulation. They wanted to be regulated by Wall Street. They wanted mm-hmm. to be in this mix of things. And so they form a company. I kid you not. It's called Gemini. Um, it wasn't called Gemini in the beginning, <laughs> but it's called Gemini now. And uh, it's a very, very interesting company they've put together that you can go on and you can buy um, lots of stuff. And so end of the day, um, you know, the Winklevoss twins ended up being okay. They're going to be okay in the grand scheme of things. But you want to talk about some early adopters um, th- that you can put your finger on and who they are. It's it's our two villains from the Facebook movie, which I think is interesting. And I, I listen, I don't tell these stories just for the fun of the story. I tell these stories because these stories sort of lead us to where we are now and where we're going. And I think that you have to have some of this foundational stuff to understand what's probably coming in the next little bit. And um, without people like the Winklevoss twins bringing in resources, putting their money where their mouth is, real dollars into something like this, you don't get the level of legitimacy that we're heading for. You have to have these early adopters say there is value to this. You have to you have to have them bring in other people, and you have to have people like that taking bets on this stuff in a way that makes it real. And um, so I think that you know when the end of all this is put together, you're going to find that those two individuals um, they're going to be a lot more interesting than probably your Mark Zuckerberg's. Uh, when it's all said and done. And that's not to say that Mark Zuckerberg doesn't understand the importance of this world too, um, and that he didn't build something great with Facebook. But I think that grand scheme of things, where we're going in the next 100 years versus where we went in the last 20 years and, and where we're going in the next 10 years, um, those two names are going to be at the top of the list because of what we're talking about today, which is cryptocurrency. Now, what I think people are probably listening to this today is they want to know what's next and where we're going. So we probably need to get into that soon. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, that's exactly where I'd like to like to go. So, just overall, in general, the crypto landscape—it's, you know, it's probably not that different than the rest of the world and the rest of the world's, you know, economy and market at, at right now because we're, you know, we're in a lull. Um, so, a lot of people probably feel a little bit apprehensive to, you know, maybe start to dive into some of this crypto and and stuff like that. So, talk about, you know, the current state of where we are, what you've seen kind of take place over the last little bit, but more importantly, you know, if you could, and, and, and maybe you can even speak to some specific things that you're actually doing, but if you, if you're standing in your spot, looking into the future a little bit, what are you seeing? So there's a reason that things are down right now. And it's because, um, we were, and I'm not an economist, so please don't treat me like one. Sure. Um, but we were in a world for, Two years, and I don't care who was the president, Democrat or Republican, it was going to be this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the pandemic, the whole world shuts down, but for some reason, our economy continues to go up. The stock market continues to go up. Crypto continues to go up. Some of that has to do with, uh, well, when all the degenerate gamblers aren't working, they have to gamble. <laughs> so they go mm-hmm. to the stock market, they go to crypto, and that's fine. Um, but 
right now we're we're suffering the effects of not only financial folly and decisions that were happening before the pandemic, but like you know we're we're paying for the pandemic. This is the bill, mm-hmm. and you know what what comes in the next six months is us paying the bill for what happened during all that. Which listen, I don't think there's anything else we could have done. And uh, while I probably wasn't the biggest fan of the last administration or even this administration. We survived it. Uh, that's the point, folks, is we <laughs> made it through something where like we probably, you know, without drastic decisions couldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. And so right now we're paying that bill. And so crypto's taking a dip. The stock market has taken a dip. Um, everybody that of us that invested in the stock market uh, or crypto during that time, our investments are down. The mistake, I think, for me would be to go sell a bunch of these things um, that I bought during that time just because they started to go down and to try to pull out what I needed to then. The mistake would be to overreact and not see you know, some of the stuff that's happening. Hmm. Now, I will say this. There are companies that I invested in um, in the stock market during the pandemic that are never coming back. <laughs> that money's gone. Yeah. Um there are there are crypto projects that I invested in during that that are never coming back. That money's gone. But there are projects that I invested in that are absolutely down right now because the whole market's down that I truly believe are coming back because I believe the utility of what they're doing. I'm not just investing in, oh, I hope money comes out of this on the other end. I'm investing in a way that I want to build the infrastructure that I believe these companies are building. That to me is – what you actually put your money into. Now, that saying that I make money and lose money on stupid stuff that I knew was temporary, 100%. Sure. 100% I did. But there are projects that I think are very, very interesting because the idea is, and this is where I think we want to really focus our, you know, our efforts in the next few years, is banking is broken. Um, banking is broken by design. I have a lot of friend that work, friends that work at banks. Sorry. Your business is broken. Most of you that work in banks that are my friends, um, it's not your fault. You didn't do anything. You were just doing your job. But banking is broken. And banking is broken because um, it is a central body that gets to decide certain things. And most of that is whether you get to start a business or not or whether you get to buy a house or not. And we are in trouble um, financially. The, the generation that's coming up is in trouble financially because of decisions that were made by this by this group of people. 20, 30, 40 years ago. So we have to do something different. And where I think crypto becomes very great is I love the fact that I could open up my phone right now and if somebody needed a loan in Argentina, if somebody needed a loan in Greece, somebody needed a loan in Europe, I can give that loan. Hmm. Like I can literally give that loan. I can also take out a loan from somebody in anywhere in the world using crypto. And what that means is, is they can say, I'm going to give you this amount of money for, you know, you take this amount of money, here it is, and all you have to do is every month that you don't pay me back, it's this much interest. The same way a bank would, except for I'm able to take that loan out through some one person or multiple people that are going to give me that loan. And they're giving me that loan because they're going to make a profit over time. And I can pay that loan back over time that way. And what happens is it's no longer is there a central body that is like, you know, putting this rule in place, we are talking about I made an agreement on the blockchain that says I have to do this. I have to make sure that I do this or it's gone. Now, now how do some people are like, well, what if you don't pay it back? Well, don't they lose out? Here's the cool thing. I can only take out those loans if I put something of my own up as leverage. 
So mm. when I have bought Bitcoin and I have Bitcoin sitting into account, I don't want to lose that Bitcoin, but I can put that Bitcoin up as collateral to get the loan. So I can take these assets that I have purchased and that I don't want to sell. I want them to be mine because I think their value is going to go up, but I can put them up as collateral. I can borrow a certain amount of money based on the collateral that I have sitting, just like the real world with the bank. Mm-hmm. I have to put my house up as collateral or my mm-hmm. business up as collateral. I have to have collateral. And so what ends up happening is, is you start having this entire banking network that exists because um, of rules that are in place, not because one or two people decide or uh, a particular bank got in trouble because they did something wrong. So now they can't give out as many loans to people who actually would qualify them. That's where things are interesting is because you go into this system that is protected by rules. Are there faults in these rules? Are we improving these rules? Of course. But the key is, is now we are going to actually run a system of banking that can provide a lot of things for a lot of people in need. And it is completely independent of a central bank. And that is one extremely interesting part of this whole thing that we're doing. Now, there's lots of other interesting parts that we can talk about, but I think what we're talking about is why is crypto not going anywhere? Because that's extremely attractive. It's, you know, as, as a country collapses and their banking system goes away, your money is not safe in a bank. It's not. It, I mean, tomorrow we could have bank runs because of something that happened that a central government decided. But if you've got your money in, uh, you know, a place that is, you know, completely organized by rules and it's not, you know, dependent on how your country acts that month. Um, we get into some very interesting things. Now, there's completely other risk on the other side of that, right? There's sure. tons of other risk on the other side of that. But when you talk about why crypto is not going anywhere, it's because that is far too an attractive thing to too many people for that system. It's just great. It's gained the, the critical mass that it needs to sustain itself. And um, like I said, we're in a down market right now, but we've been in plenty of down markets in crypto at this point, those of us that have been around a while. And we know that uh, we know what's coming on the other side. And so there's lots of opportunity on that end. Um, that said, I think the other side of crypto that's very, very interesting to me right now is the ability to kind of what we open the show with, which is to track certain things. And track things in a way that you completely understand that um, I was a part of something or I do own something and to prove ownership. And this is where we get into sort of the world of NFTs uh, or non-fungible tokens. Um, for those of you that aren't um, you know, in on what non-fungible tokens is, we, we can actually talk about what an NFT is it, without talking about goofy art. Um, that's just online. You know, A lot of people think an NFT is just buying a JPEG or something like that. But it's actually... Um, much bigger than that. And so if you want to talk about that, we can do that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's what I, that's kind of how I equated it myself. So that's one, that's why that article floored me so much when I saw someone literally purchased a home via NFT. And like, of course there was some, obviously there was some conversation about the legality of that and how, you know, how you tie certain legality pieces to it and stuff. But man, I just thought that was so interesting. And, and I never really saw that, you know, but it makes so much sense that a piece of digital art, is the same as a piece of land or real estate or, you know, whatever it is. So I, I think that makes perfect sense. But yeah, yeah, digging into NFTs a little bit and kind of how you see that fitting in the landscape. So you have to, first you have to understand the difference between um, what a fungible token is versus a non-fungible token. 
And this is, this is an important distinction. So let's say I'm holding a Bitcoin in my hand, if I could, right? Like I've got a Bitcoin and I've got another Bitcoin in my hand. Okay. So I got two Bitcoin. Um, I could swap them and who cares? It's, it's a Bitcoin is a Bitcoin is a Bitcoin. That's a fungible token. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. It's the same value across the board. And so it doesn't really matter which Bitcoin that you hold. You just hold Bitcoin. It's like if I have a penny in hand, a penny in the other, they're both a penny, right? right. Like simple. Even though they're different, that, that in the real Is world, it's funny? hard to explain. That's funny. Right? That's exactly where my head went. I was like, oh, they must be of the same value. So yeah. I, that's the same same thing I thought. It's exactly that. So a non-fungible token is interesting because every non-fungible token can't be exchanged that way. So, hmm. I, you know, I could have – think about this. Let's say I have – we create five pieces of art that are the same piece of art, but they would be called an NFT. So it's the, the exact same picture, let's say. But the thing is, is one of them is number one. One yeah. of them is number two. One of them is number three. You get the idea. Yeah. So here's what's so crazy. Number one is probably worth more than number five because it was the first, because yeah. it had a one attached it's to it. Those, yeah. Those of you that uh, trade do trading cards um, – <laughs> You'll understand that a low number in a pack was always more valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is stupid, but it's <laughs> there is more value attached to things by humans because of interesting reasons. Now, that's the silly part of it. The interesting part about it is this. Let's say that you went to a concert 20 years ago and um, you wanted to prove to somebody that you were at that concert. Okay, well, you could pull out the ticket. Uh, if you had an autograph on the tickets, you know, somebody, you could have somebody be like, oh yeah, like that was a real, that's a real autograph that could be certified as something, but you could have bought that from somebody else. You could make up a whole story about that. You were at that show. Um, and, that, and you could have bought that from somebody else. And, and there's no way to really prove that you actually went, uh, now you could, fi- you could go pull financial records that you bought that ticket if you had that, but it's a complicated process. Yeah. So. You know, one of the podcasts that we did a little bit ago is we talked about um, a festival that we went to called Bourbon and Beyond. And we really had a great time at this festival. You guys can go back and listen to that episode. It's uh, it's in the archives. And the interesting thing about that show is instead of just buying a ticket or a pass, let's say that we had actually purchased an NFT. Okay, cool. So that NFT could be delivered to us and to our, you know, our wallet um, on our phone. And, you know, we could literally pull up that wallet and the picture that is attached to that NFT could be like a QR code that they just like with our regular tickets that mm-hmm. they like scanned. But what happens is, is if we do the ticket that way, there is information on the blockchain that says we were actually there, meaning that scan of that ticket actually adds information to that NFT that says not only did they buy the ticket at this date, not only did they have ownership of the ticket, but we add information to that record that says they were actually here. They actually showed up. It was actually scanned on their wall in this wallet. So not only was it scanned, but it belonged to this wallet when it was scanned. And so now we can actually prove that we were in a physical location that's extremely powerful. And if you don't see the ways that this gets interesting yet, that's okay. But the idea is to is down the road, well, maybe we were um maybe we were one of the first people that went through the door. So there's some interesting value behind that. Maybe one of the cool bands that was there, Pearl Jam, decided that they were going to give a digital set of songs that nobody else in the world had to this core group of people. And, and also 
that group of people was also entitled to a meet and greet uh, <laughs> down the road. Hmm. Only given to those people. So all of a sudden, here's what's interesting. I could take that NFT that I have and I say, you know what? I can't make the meet and greet that day. The songs, um, I, I'm going to keep the songs. Uh, but I want someone else to have this. So I'm going to make some money off of it. I could literally put it up for sale on something like OpenSea. Somebody could buy that from me. The pass is now passed to their wallet. Here's the cool part. I make money off that transaction, right? Because I sold it. Sure. But because Pearl Jam or Bourbon and Beyond, however they set this up, set it up, they also make a percentage of that transaction because I pass that to somebody else. And so they can actually set up that they're going to make a piece of that transaction and they can make money ongoing because they are a part of the value of that whole that whole transaction. Sure. And so now the creators of these things can make sure that they are making money in perpetuity on things that they actually deliver value to. Uh, but also we can actually track the transition of that particular item publicly on the blockchain. We can see how it got passed along the way. And so it's an interesting way to track records of things. It's an interesting way to keep a log of things. And let me just say, having a log of how many times something's been sold is valuable. Having a log of something that has never been sold before that is just now coming into the market is valuable. And this is where, as humans, the way we establish value to things, um, having a non-fungible token, something that is not like anything else out there, and you can prove that it's not like anything else out there, that's where it gets really interesting. And hmm. the really, really good brands are going to find ways to make these non-fungible tokens far more valuable than the ones that don't. And listen, as humans, we're collectors. Uh, but it's a lot cooler um, when collecting something doesn't necessarily take up space in your room. Uh, doesn't you don't have to necessarily manufacture the plastic or the paper to do it. You know, we have a finite number of physical resources. Um, when you're actually collecting things in this way that retain value, um, and you can sell, and, you know, in a marketplace that's online, you don't have to travel to a marketplace. The efficiencies of that as human beings is still good. Uh, and, and honestly, a lot of people say, well, you know, <laughs> crypto's destroying our our world. Yeah, we'd have some power problems right now. We have some energy problems that we have to solve. But the cool thing is, is you want to talk about keeping forest <laughs> together in, in, in our world, producing oxygen. You want to talk about all the things that don't get destroyed if we do move into more of a system of exchange and tracking this way. Um, we'll figure out the energy problem. Um, it's going to be much, much harder to figure out the problem if we keep buying uh, physical type things. And I think that's where... You get into a very interesting sort of space with NFTs. Um, it's not just digital art. It's tracking experiences. <laughs> it's tracking things, but also rewarding people for holding those things. I think it'd be very cool if Bourbon and Beyond, if we had that NFT and we held it for five years, if uh, maybe they let us in free to an event, if we were somebody that held on to an NFT. You know, there's so many things as a brand because yeah. you can see everything that you've ever released as an NFT and what it's doing and how it's sitting out there. There's so many ways that you can reward people for doing certain things too. And you, it's all trackable. So the possibilities are pretty crazy. It's far more than my brain can comprehend right now. Um, but the reason that crypto is not going anywhere, and I can say that I'm not going to point anybody to certain pieces of art or, you know, an NFT or a, a type of crypto, but the reason crypto is right. not going anywhere is because of the inherent utility that, te that that technology actually has. The blockchain technology is what makes it valuable. And um, yes, do I buy Bitcoin every week? 
every single week. Um, and if I could give you one piece of advice, it's not to buy Bitcoin. That's not what I'm actually saying here. But what I'm saying is if you want to buy cryptocurrency, don't buy a bunch of cryptocurrency at once. You know, if you if you want to do that, that's you. But the best way to buy cryptocurrency or anything like that is set yourself up on a schedule and do what we call dollar cost averaging. And every single Saturday, I have a something programmed to buy Bitcoin. Uh, and it's not a lot of Bitcoin. It's like 100 bucks of Bitcoin every single week. Okay. And I don't care what the price is. I, I bought, you know, a year ago, I was buying at a completely different price than I'm buying right now. But over time, if I actually believe in that asset that something that it's going to go up, I will have bought at a different rate. I'm buying a lot cheaper now than I was buying a year ago. Right. And so if I'm buying it that way, um, it's a much smarter way to actually invest in something than just dumping a ton of money in because you think it's going to go up in the next year. And that's the thing. I, if you believe in a stock, if you believe in a cryptocurrency, I think a very s smart way is do your research, find something that has utility, find a, something that it makes it special. Like I said, with Bitcoin, it's a finite resource. Um, I have something called XRP that I buy into because of the financial things that they're doing there I think are very interesting. Yeah. Um, if you're going to buy into this stuff, though, I think a great way to do it is to do what we call dollar cost averaging. And that is to just make sure that you're buying a little bit at a time at the same rate. You're out of the decision-making process because we usually make dumb decisions when we get excited about things or we're in a certain mood. But every single week, if you can program an app, and like I said, I, I think it's the Coinbase app that I'm actually buying that Bitcoin with. Every single week, it does it for me. I don't have to put any input. I can always stop it if I need to. But... I've been collecting. I've been collecting consistently week in, week out, and it keeps stacking into an account. And right now, like I said, sucks because what I bought a year ago, the value has gone down. Yeah. But what I'm buying now, the value will go up. And so we have this dollar cost averaging that is going to put me in a position that's great if the asset that I believe in um, does eventually do what I think it's going to do. So hopefully we were all over the place with this, <laughs> but hopefully you get a sense of the enormity of the technology, where the technology came from and why there's so many of us out there that even though we don't understand all the aspects of it, we understand that we, we really get that we don't understand where it's going and we can't predict that. Um, we're making a bet now for the next 30 years. Hmm. And that's the thing. I don't want to cash out my Bitcoin. That, that's not what this is about for me. I want to pass my Bitcoin on to my kid. And I want that to be something that that's that. That's the way that I look at this is I want to support the technology. I want to grow the technology because I think it's a better world that we're living in with that technology. But it's also an asset that can be passed down uh, in a way that I think is very, very interesting. And even if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, there's ways that my family can pull those things out without a bank deciding or an insurance mm -hmm. company deciding that they have access to that asset. And, and there's, there's great power to that. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, Based on everything you just talked about, I think there's such a there's a huge marketing element and a huge analytical element too that you've just talked and, and kind of outlined there that I think is exciting. And, uh, and so, at the very let's wrap this thing up with a nice pretty yeah. little bow. Someone, someone comes to you, say say it's me because I've done this before. By the way, um, someone comes to you and talks about, hey man, I'm interested in crypto. I kind of want to I want to dip my toes in a little bit. Where do you suggest someone like that start? What kind of advice do you have? Just just 
dipping your toes in to, to learn a little bit about the processes and, and what's going on out there? Where do you, where do you send them? Um, I think there's some great things and I don't want to like promote a specific company. So I'll give a couple sure. here. Um, but I was talking about Gemini earlier, uh, that mm-hmm. the Winklevoss twins are involved in, but also Coinbase, um, not necessarily to go buy there. Um, but what yeah. they have done and how they've had to position themselves in the market is they've had to put together some really good tutorials that are not sales pitches, but they're actually educational. And from a ground floor, you can start building sort of this glossary in your head of terms of what everything means, and you can slowly attack it. And that's the thing. I I don't think it's wise to go invest in crypto tomorrow if you're just getting into this. What I think is wise is just say, hey, you know what? 30 days from right now, I'm going to go invest in some crypto, and I'm going to put 100 bucks in there. Or I'm going to put a thousand bucks in there, whatever, whatever your comfort level is. Yeah. And you go take 30 days to really look into that project and just read up on it. And if at the end of the day, there's something about that particular, you know, cryptocurrency that you think is great, like you believe in what is behind it, what, what's the goal of it? What is the technology being developed for? Or you believe that it's actually rare? Like Bitcoin is considered the gold because it's, it's, it's a rare thing, even though it's more rare than gold. Right. What is it about this thing that makes it valuable to you? And then go research it. Spend 30 days researching it if you're brand new. And then make the purchase after that or don't. And I think that anybody getting started, that's where it's at. It's This is a big idea. And if you've never explored it at all, it's really hard to wrap your mind around. But in 30 days, I promise you, just about anybody could get there. Hopefully, this podcast got you started with some of the history yeah. of this stuff. and. You know, you're there, but, but jump out. There's great things like us on YouTube. There's far too many people that are like recommending things. I think that's insane. Go to a Coinbase, go to a Gemini, go to their tutorials and just watch. These things are designed for newbies to learn and not direct you down a path, but to actually educate you of what these things are. And, uh, we'll do our best to link you guys to those tutorial sections. So you can just go learn on your own. And like I said, you can make an informed choice for yourself uh, on that. So hopefully that's a good start for everybody. And hopefully Marshall and I did a decent job (laughs) of giving you all kind of a crash course in some of this stuff. Why it, why crypto got to where it is now, where it's going, we think, and what are some of the implications and hopefully it helps you to do something that's going to make your life better down the road. 